HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show has been brought to you by Visit Napa. Visit NapaValley.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hog. Ich bin Kathy Arway, your host at Heritage Radio Network's Eat Your Words, and that's about all the French, I mean, all the French, all the German I can speak. Um, maybe my guest can help me out a little bit. Um, he is the author, or co-author of New German Cooking, Recipes for Classics Revisited. It's a beautiful new cookbook out from Chronicle, um, and it's Jeremy, Alf- uh, Jeremy Nolan. How are you? Good, how are you? Thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, congrats on the book, and you're also the executive chef of Brauhaus Schmitz and um, Schmitz Verst, or Verst Schmitz at... Yeah, Verst House, yeah. Verst House in Philly. So yep. thanks for taking the time out today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so you and your, your wife, um, Jessica Nolan, um, co-wrote this book, and she's the pastry chef at... At Brachhaus Schmitz, correct? Right. Yep. All right. So um, this is your first cookbook, huh? Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> it is really exciting. Um, so looking through this cookbook, by the way, it is very, very visually stunning. Um, I don't think I've ever seen before this treatment that they have on the cover where there's like this band of gorgeous photographs sort of just just added on there. So. Very yeah, I think it was really cool. I mean, that was kind of their decision rather than yeah. doing one photo. Yeah, yeah. I think it looks kind of nice, you know. It really pops. Um, yeah, definitely. So German food. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, you know, we think of, you mentioned that we tend to think of when we think of German food, uh, more like Western German and Bavarian food traditions, like right. pretzels, beer, if that counts. Sauerkraut, yeah. <laughs> um, versed. Um, so, you know, but there's a whole range of foods within Germany. So why, why do we come up with that assumption or those kind of hallmarks in I think America? it just had to do with the immigrants that came to this mm-hmm. country and opened up restaurants. It was much more, you know, down-home cooking, like peasant farmer food kind of stuff, real hearty. And I think that's just, you know, the immigrants that came, came from those areas of Germany and brought that food and opened up restaurants and stuff. And it just became to know, known as, like, the traditional foods, right. which really was just Bavarian and, like, southwestern German food. 
And this goes back, way back, like, um, you know, the 1600s, Pennsylvania Dutch, that's like one of the oldest communities of German Americans that is still very much intact with its uh, traditional culture. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, they brought a different style of German food because they, you know, came a lot f- further back in, you know, in American times. So when they came, they brought the foods that they were eating in Germany at that time. And in Germany, it evolved. So they kind of keep that tradition. Even the language is similar to the way it was spoken in Germany in the 1600s, where it modernized, but they remain the same. Mm. It is interesting. And that is where uh, you grew up. Is that right? right. Around there? and. Um, yeah, in Berks County. It's about an hour and a half northwest of Philadelphia. So you're exposed to this food from a very young age. Um, have you just been a lifelong fan of those flavors um, that you wanted yeah, I mean, to I, create? Yeah, I grew up going to these cl- the private German clubs and restaurants in R- the Reading, Pennsylvania area. There's lots of them, and I just grew up going to those. You know, the Oktoberfest celebration every year, the big spring fest and stuff like that. So I was, you know, accustomed to eating that most of my life, and eventually I started working at one of the clubs, and that's when I learned the German food, like the real traditional stuff. That must have been pretty cool. So you trained under some, uh, you know, real real traditional German German cooks there. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a volunteer-based <laughs> club. So, you know, these women are, they were in their 70s and 80s, and they've been cooking German food for a really long time, and they really showed me, like, the real traditional side of the German food. Wow. So, okay, so for this book, um, you know, for the for people who maybe haven't been to your restaurant or maybe don't know too much about German food to begin with, um, what is the new aspect about German cooking that these recipes exude? Um, I, th- I think a lot of it is more of like an update of like, you know, lighter, fresher flavors. Like it's not a, a diet mean, book. I don't mean like as it's in not like, all sausages and pretzels. <laughs> I mean there are some. Well, there is sausages and a pretzel recipe, but a lot of the other stuff is lighter. Okay. And it's just showing that different side of German cooking that exists in Germany, but it's also important to note that this book is our German cooking in the U.S. Like the way right. we stylize it and like change it up a little bit and lighten it. Yeah, it is very interesting to see those twists that you have that you have put on such classics. Um, just just a note to listeners: it's not like this isn't like fusion German food, right? No, uh, no. Yeah, you don't exactly put like you know miso in the butter or something like no, that. No, exactly. I mean, there's a few ingredients here and there that are a little different, like black garlic or something. But it's more like German-inspired cooking in the U.S. Like it's you know using ingredients that are common in like the German cooking pantry and techniques and, you know, different dishes and, like, our spins on it. It's more like that than, like, you know, a fusion of Japanese and German or something. (laughs) Yeah, so um, what are, like, the, I guess, you know, beyond our conceptions of that beer hall food, uh, what are, like, some of the top, how would you characterize German food, if you could, in, like, a short snippet? Um, I think it's, I mean, Germany is not a very small country. It's not enormous, but it's pretty large and it has a lot of different geographical areas. So it's really hard to define it as a whole. Like in the north, you know, they're bordering on the North Sea and stuff. So they have a lot of seafood culture up there. The food in northern Germany resembles Scandinavian food more with a lot of fish and, you know, smoked fish and stuff like that. And then, like, the southwestern part that borders France has a little bit of that influence, like Al- foie gras, Al- stuff like that. Like Alsatian food? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, and then what about East Germany? Because, I mean, when I think of Germany, I feel like there's so, you know, there's this huge extremes in region and culture, but also, like, 
in periods of time in history and like, you know, periods of great austerity, um, like in East Germany and um, in the past, I guess, you know, century or so. And um, relative prosperity seen in, you know, lavish uh, celebrations and so forth. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have changed as a country for, I mean, a few hundred years at least. I mean, there was empires, then there was, you know, the kingdom and stuff like that. So it's it's changed a lot, and, and that also helps, too. I mean, you know, Bavaria was part of, like, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, so you have, like, the Hungarian influences, all the Eastern European influences mm-hmm. from, you know, that like empire there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, Eastern Germany with, like, Berlin and stuff like that has, you know, they have, like, the Czech influences, Slovak, stuff like that. It is fascinating. How how much fun was this to explore, and how exactly did you kind of like go about researching for this book? Um, a lot of it's either been like when I was in Germany and just kind of went to restaurants and like you know I take photos of all the menus, mm-hmm. take them with me if I can, you know, that's write good, stuff down. That's a good um, method. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I you know I always do that because then it's good reference. I can go back and look exactly. at it when I'm at home. Um, but most of this book was more our cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, inspired by German cuisine, but you know, cooking in our restaurant, not necessarily like traveling Germany and bringing recipes back. Mm-hmm. This is more just like German-inspired dishes that we've come up with. Cool, it is really cool, but they're also very accessible too for a home cook. Yeah, um, and that was kind of the goal. You know, we didn't we didn't want to make it a restaurant book. Like some of the some of these dishes are at the restaurant, but a lot of them are either just done as a special or just something we created for the book. We wanted it to be accessible for a home cook. We didn't right. want it to be like a restaurant cookbook. And and maybe I haven't been to too many like fine dining institutions in Germany, but a lot of these seem very homey and um just like home style food, spätzle, um uh maybe the Wiener wait, what is no. Okay. Uh <laughs> you know, maybe some of like the more uh, elaborate meat dishes are are more, I guess, um confined to more fine dining traditions and certainly specialty producers like butchers for sausages. But a lot of these seem really cozy and home style. Um, is there like a huge, um, I guess, dining institution um, like that goes back in Germany? Um, like as far as restaurants? And stuff? Yeah, like fine dining. and. Yeah, I mean, Germany has a lot of fine dining restaurants because there's a lot of hotels and, you know, tourism in Germany. I mean, Germany has, I think, Right now, the second most Michelin stars after France, right? Which you know is something really interesting when people hear it's something that. Something we don't, don't expect that. Think, yeah, it's, we don't yeah. think of German food as that. You know. Yeah, and it's it's crazy that because there's just so many resorts and stuff like that, and you know, it's and every time I tell people that, they're just like shocked. Like, wait, Germany has the second most Michelin stars after France? Like, yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> I mean, it's a big country, and there's a lot of really <laughs> nice restaurants. Totally. Um, we t- also tend to think of German food as pretty heavy. Um, bacon, right. sausage. Yeah, meat and uh, potatoes. <laughs> right, right. Um, would you dispel that, or how would you... Not wholly. I yeah. mean, yeah, there is certainly plenty of those dishes, like sauerbraten and, you know, rouladen, which is like a beef stuffed with bacon and stuff and mm-hmm. gravy. You know, there's plenty of that stuff, which is all, you know, really good as well, but it's not as prevalent in Germany. They don't eat it every day. It's one of those <laughs> things where... You know, they might eat it once a week or once a month or something. Um, you know, they don't work like they used to. There's not as many farmers and stuff like that. So 
they couldn't eat a diet really heavy like that. Mm-hmm. One dish that um, recipe in this book that really opened my eyes was the fish goulash, um, mm. a seafood stew with paprika broth that looks similar to, um, uh, you know, French French traditions. Yeah, I mean that bouillabaisse is what I'm thinking of. Right. right. Yeah, I mean yeah. that. The goulash is really, it's Hungarian origin, but it's really popular in Germany. Uh-huh. And we just took that idea of using that paprika as a flavor. Oh, I see. And, you know, made it with fish, being like from North Germany, you have a lot more seafood and stuff like that. So we made a, you know, seafood stew, basically. Right. But took the flavors of that goulash. That is that is really clever, because bouillabaisse is like tomato and then saffron is the, there's no paprika right, yeah. usually, right? That's the color, yeah, right. Huh. And paprika, I mean, is is used pretty common in Germany. It's yeah. it's used as a flavor. Like here in the U.S., we've always used it as like a garnish for like deviled eggs or <laughs> you know roasting chicken in the oven. You sprinkle a little paprika on, but paprika really has a nice flavor to it. Yeah, and it's like the goulash is really heavy with paprika, and you really taste that sweetness of the peppers there. And goulash um, is traditionally with like meats. Um... Yeah, it's traditionally a beef. Too, basically, it's right. braised beef with a lot of paprika. And... So the idea of sort of um, melding that with a seafood stew—it looks very light and um, full of shellfish, which I love. That—that right. that was totally your novel twist, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to do something similar to like a buoy base or something, but I wanted it to be like, you know, something that you can have like a big loaf of bread and just do it with your mm. friends, like maybe in your backyard and have a. You know, grilled bread and dipping it in that broth and just eating the seafood and stuff. Like, this I is, think it's a good idea to do it like that. This is so cool. I, I definitely see like the influences from all parts, not all parts, but you know, certain parts of Germany kind of coming together right. um, in that dish. Um, another one I think is really interesting is the cod stuffed cabbage rolls. So, um, and cabbage rolls are, are more of like an Eastern European, so it'd be like Eastern German. Uh, right, yeah, exactly. And, type and of it's food. used in, you know, they do it in Germany too. Very typical, just like, right? Yeah, just like in Eastern Europe, it's, you know, it's meat stuffed. Okay. And that was just an idea of the new German cooking where we wanted to take that concept of stuffing cabbage with meat and making it lighter and more refreshing. And that's when we decided to use a fish. So it's totally stuffed with cod, and there's this beautiful dill and cream sauce on right. top. That is really cool. I've never thought of stuffing cabbage rolls with fish, but it's like, why not? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really nice and like light, and it's you know, it came out really nice. And the fish, because um, I, I think like normally cabbage rolls have like a ground meat. So do you have to sort of chop the fish, or? Has yeah, I mean, work? it can it can be done either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, the way it was supposed to be done, which it even says in the book, was it was supposed to be a whole cod but okay. one of our cooks at the restaurant thought we were doing something else and he started like chopping it up <laughs> and you know it just kind of evolved off of that wow and then with breadcrumbs which is which is traditional right um, yeah, it just kind of holds it all together but so this was like a combination of, of various different ideas <laughs> behind yeah, this man, dish. really came out of an error like it was <laughs> to, the cook thought we were doing the fish goulash that we were just talking about oh. so we'd be cut in pieces and what I wanted to do was take the whole piece of fish and stuff it in the, like, wrap it in the cabbage leaf. Oh, okay. But then when he cut it all up, and it was too late, so we just kind of, like, altered it. And we're like, all right, well, let's just make it, like, a, almost like a mousse. 
Yeah, so yeah. We just chopped it up finely, mixed it with everything, and it actually came out really good. So we just kind of kept it that way. Yeah, it looks really great in like uniform inside the cabbage. Um, yeah, it seems like it holds it actually, together. I, I tried it the other way with the whole piece of fish, and it's actually easier to eat it when it's chopped up like that mm. because you can mm-hmm. cut it better. Mm-hmm. The other one, the cod flakes apart, and the cabbage is hard to cut with the cod, and <laughs> it actually worked out really well. So that is so cool. All right. Um, I can't wait to talk more about uh, these recipes, but we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude and be right back. You are listening to Quick by Dreams. by visitnapavalley.com. Welcome to the Napa Valley, North America's legendary wine and food capital, where the art of living well is defined and each season holds a story waiting to be discovered. Life feels slower here, lived at a place where tables are set with care. Fine wine and food are created from the bounty of our own vineyards and gardens, and relationships with friends and family gathered around the table are somehow sweeter. When planning a trip to the Napa Valley, we invite you to visit the destination's official visitor website, visitnapavalley.com, or stop by Napa County's official visitor information center, located in downtown Napa, where our friendly and knowledgeable community ambassadors can assist you in creating your own legendary Napa Valley experiences. The Visitor Information Center is located at 600 Main Street, Napa, and is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week, 360 days a year. Your invitation to experience the Napa Valley beckons. Take a deep breath, lose yourself in our quiet green and golden hills, renew your body and spirit, taste our legendary wines and cuisine, and experience the people who make this valley like no other in the world. For more information, go to visitnapavalley.com. We're back chatting more with Jeremy Nolan, co-author of New German Cooking. It's a gorgeous cookbook. Um, Definitely got to check it out. Um, So, Jeremy, um, just going back a little bit to your background, it sounds like you've been cooking pretty much your whole life. (laughs) Is that correct? Yeah, basically. I mean, my dad was a chef for a long time, and he's now retired, but I grew up in the restaurant industry. You know, he was always at work, so my mom would always take my sister and I to see him, and, you know, I was... In, in these kitchens since I was a little kid. That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good education for being yeah, an executive absolutely. chef. <laughs> um, and uh, did you did you have German cooking in the home as well? I know you cooked with the, these community groups and learned a lot from the wise elders. But uh, was this close to your heritage or roots? Um, yeah, I mean, there's German heritage on both parents' sides, but mm-hmm. it wasn't something they cooked a lot at home besides like pork, roast pork and sauerkraut or something. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, my, 
my dad would cook some German things here and there, but we mostly went out to eat that kind of stuff. Right. I see. I feel like German cooking is so ingrained just because, you know, it goes back so far that it's become, you know, just a huge part of American cooking. I mean, like, look at apple pie, right? That's German. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many German influences in, in cooking. Yeah. Like streusel, you know, for one, is a topping for, like, pies and, like, crumb cakes and stuff like that is, you know, a German streusel. thing. Streusel. Got it. Yeah. I mean, like, even just sauerkraut, you know, hot dogs. Uh, hot dogs, you know, came from a German thing, and it's one of the most popular dogs, American things. Hot Hamburger. Dogs. Hamburger, right? <laughs> like, everything is German <laughs> when you think about it. A lot, yeah. Or new German or something. Um, everybody has put their own twist on it through the years. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so that's really cool um, that you've been cooking, you know, all these influences for such a long time and now it's it's really the bread and butter of your restaurant work um and how did it you know you mentioned you sort of allude to in, in the introduction that you're working um in various different restaurants and sort right. of putting german uh twe- like you tweaks on some of your dishes or some specials yeah i mean i i this is only the second german restaurant i've worked at the, mm-hmm. the other one being the private club that I worked at a long time ago. It's like French um, or something? Yeah, I worked yeah. in French restaurants, Italian, American restaurants. Um, like the French restaurant I worked at before I worked here, you know, it's Alsace is France, but it used to be Germany. So the, there's so many German dishes there. So I would use that as an excuse to cook German food at the French restaurant because, you know, Alsatian food is basically German food with French names now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a good mix there because... That area has been back and forth between Germany and France for a while. Yeah. I, but there's so many of those dishes are German. Yeah, totally. I mean, I love that it's becoming, it's it's getting more of an awareness now because, you know, as we're talking about uh, hamburgers and pies and crumble, crumbly things on pastries, um, you know, it's, it's not really thought of as German so much. Um, so this is really cool to see. Um, German food getting the spotlight it, it certainly deserves. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not, I mean, I haven't been doing it my whole cooking career. Like I said, I was cooking other stuff, and I just kind of fell into it again, because I've always enjoyed it, and I would cook it at home, and, and then when we started doing it, German food started getting a little more popular and okay. more known. Like, I think people look for other cuisines. That's why Spanish food, you know, blew up years ago, because, you know, it was kind of an undiscovered uh, cuisine for a lot of Americans. Right. And, well, and there's so many German her- people of German heritage in the U.S. that, People are kind of reconnecting with that. And it's so cozy, too. I feel like it does remind you of, like, these homemade dishes like like spetzla and um, schnitzel. I mean, who doesn't like that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, every culture in the world has a schnitzel, basically. Mm-hmm. That is true. Breaded fried cutlet. Uh, yeah, chicken fried pork, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we have in America with our chicken fried steaks. And then in Italy, they have the, you know, the Milanese. And, you know, it's yeah. all over the place. Now let's talk about potato salad because it is so different in Germany. It is basically, um, you know, a translucent vinegar liquid yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> instead yeah. of like a thick mayonnaise sauce. Right. Yeah. Here in, in the U.S., we typically have a, a mayo-based dressing, but in Germany, it's typically just like either an apple cider vinegar or a white wine vinegar or something, onions, parsley, and oil. It's really simple. I love it. Really light and refreshing. Not with bacon, which most people always assume. I think that's more of an Americanized thing to have, oh. like, German potato salad with bacon in it. Like, in <laughs> Germany, it's, you'll rarely find it. Mm. Kartoffel, kartoffel salat. 
right? Yeah, right. All right. And and let's talk a little bit about all the canoodles, um, which is noodle, I guess, um, and dumpling. Uh, dumpling. Dumpling, yeah, sorry. Noodle, yeah, is dumpling. What is the difference between, because some of these noodles are sort of big and dumpling-y and then vice versa. I mean, you, you have some like the the Eastern European style dumplings and then there's some noodles that are almost like pasta in this book or sort of egg egg noodles. Right, it yeah. seems like such a vast category and um, I, you know, I, I think it's great that you have a whole section dedicated to this. Yeah, I mean, they have so many and that's an often underlooked kind of thing. Like people don't really look at it like you know, it's underappreciated the amount of, like, dumplings and pasta and stuff that Germans do. You know, in Italy, obviously, they have a thousand different shapes and stuff of pasta. Germany doesn't necessarily have that, but they really do like their noodles and dumplings. Like, they come in so many different shapes and sizes and thicknesses and, you know, different flours and stuff like that. Yeah, and so what exactly is um, spetzla supposed to be made out of? Is it, like, a potato? Uh, uh, typically, it's just it's flour. It's flour. flour, egg, and water. Okay, so it's the pasta. most common. Hmm. And I noticed you have a buckwheat spetzla recipe, which is very cool. Yeah, um, that, that was basically taking that batter and making it with buckwheat, and it adds that really nice nutty flavor to it. Yeah. And darker color, and. Um, was that hard to to make work with buckwheat flour? No, it, I mean because there worked. is all-purpose flour in it too, and it, uh-huh. it all works together. But the buckwheat I found just differs like some of them are really dark and then makes the the batter like when it's cooked like really like dark brown or like grayish brown or something some of them are lighter like it's that's the only difference i found is right the, the actual buckwheat but so that that was a great spin um tell me a little bit about these um potato canoodle i guess the potato based uh, dumplings that are kind of like the size of a baseballs and they're usually covered with gravy is right. that um the shump <laughs> i can't the shoof noodle yeah no those oh. those are like shoof noodle look like like gnocchi but the tips are like um i'm trying to think how to describe it the tips are like tapered and it was fat in the middle and then tapered at the tips oh okay that's different yeah that's what shoof noodle is I thought, Big dumpling. Okay, I thought maybe that the soup noodle um, recipe in here, that which has cork cheese, potato, and herbs, were a spin on the the canoodle I'm thinking of. Um, no, the soup noodle is like a. It's actually a pretty traditional dish, just not made with cork cheese and yeah. herbs. It's yeah. normally just a potato gnocchi, right. basically. Yeah, it's a giant potato gnocchi, and it's a little chewy too. I think. Yeah, well, they're not really too big. I mean, they're I guess bigger than gnocchi, but. It's yeah. not like the big round ones. Those are the the cartoffel canoodle. That's what I'm thinking which, of. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are like the big round potato dumplings. Yeah. They're, see, it's just like so various. It comes in these yeah. astounding shapes and sizes. Yeah, like um, that, they do love their dumplings and noodles. <laughs> yeah. I thought I knew one, and then I was like, oh, wait, there's a million. Yeah, uh, different kinds. <laughs> um, so, and you also have a great um, pantry section, or, or sorry, uh, like pickle section, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about sauerkraut. Um, this is something that every culture, I think, has too. Um, Lacto fermented cabbage. Right. Yeah. And what is the German like? What is the German flavor or st- like style? Um, I mean, the, the cabbage, the sauerkraut. You know, they just you know just do salt fermented cabbage. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they'll mix a little bit of white wine in it too. But it's obviously 
a really common and well-known thing in, in Germany is sauerkraut. I mean, okay. most people in the U.S. know what sauerkraut is. Um, I, and it's just really simply done. It's just fermented, and that's what gives it that, like, acidic tang to it. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's no vinegar involved, which nope. most people assume. And I've had to tell so many people, like, there's no vinegar in sauerkraut, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the fermentation process. Well, I noticed you added some juniper berries um, and bay leaves for a little flavor. I, right. I've also seen the caraway seed, but I guess that's not German. I'm not we, sure. No, we do that when we yeah. when we cook it. But oh. this one, just for fermenting it, I just put the bay leaves and stuff because it gives some flavor. And that's a great tradition. I, I think not enough people um, appreciate in the States is cooking with the finished sauerkraut afterwards into a warm, savory dish. Um, that's absolutely delicious. delicious so. Yeah, and we cook our sauerkraut at the restaurant with bacon and onions and caraway seeds and juniper and beer and stuff. And it's cooked for hours, so it's like, you know, it mellows it out a little bit and adds all that flavor right. of everything else. Right. Um, and a little bit sweetness sometimes, too, I think I've had. Or maybe the yeah, beer. Yeah, some people put apples in. Yeah, definitely. apples. We don't do it at the restaurant, but it, it is common. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great. It's so various. It's not just for putting on a hot dog sauerkraut. Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like a warm, savory thing. All right. Well, what is your absolute favorite food from Germany or maybe any any dish that really inspired you to, to start doing this book? And uh, that's, I think there's like two different questions there. <laughs> my favorite <laughs> food, I mean, it would not be anything in the book. I mean, I really couldn't pinpoint my favorite dish, but like a goulash is definitely one of my favorites, and I think it's a nostalgia thing as well because the German restaurant I went to since I was a little kid – always had goulash and it was always like the first thing we got when we sat down mm-hmm. so it's something that like i never get sick of like you know, i've been eating that since i was a little kid and you know i just love the flavors of it so savory and perfect you know, for I winter mean, right with, now yeah i have that fish goulash but not the actual beef goulash in the book but in the book i mean it's really tough there's a lot of really cool recipes in here and like a couple that stand out to me because I, I like to grill. Like I like to be outside and like grill mm-hmm. in the summertime and stuff. And like our paprikash, I think is a really cool dish because. What is that? Paprikash? Paprikash, yeah. It's a mm-hmm. half chicken. Oh, yum. Typically it's Grilled? it's braised. Like it's a stew basically that you mix with noodles and it's, it's, it's heavy. It's not, you know, super light. But I took all those flavors of the paprikash with like the paprika and lemon and stuff like that, and marinate it half chickens overnight, and then mm. grill them. Mm. And I think it's it's a really good dish. Like I really like it, especially in the summer, because then you can you know have like a potato cucumber salad or some kind of side dish with it. Oh wow, that's so And I think it's so really fun. representative of the book. You know, it shows yeah. of taking those flavors and making a completely new, different dish. That is that sounds perfect for like a communal dinner with friends, and I can't wait yeah. to try that. Yeah, it's, and it's really great for being outside, too, and especially because it's like five degrees outside now, so it makes me want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to try that. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it does sum up, like, the essence of this, this wonderfully inventive book um, very well. So um, that's about all the time we have today. But thank you so much for joining and for sharing your delicious take on German food today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Everyone check out New German Cooking, and we'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. song for Eat Your Words is Lovin' Like This by the California Honey Drops. Whoa, the way you took it so slow. 
for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.